to the next episode of Reversing Course, the golf course restoration at Wakanda Club. We are coming to you from the men's card room here at Wakanda. I'm Rianne Kinney, the general manager at Wakanda. I have here with me today our golf course superintendent, Dane Wilson, and our director of golf, Aaron Kruger. Gentlemen, welcome. Hello there. Welcome to the card room. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. Glad to have you. Yeah. So we've been through one week of the restoration. How's it going? It's going good. I think, um, you know, the biggest thing is in these projects, especially when you bring contractors in, is just, you know, it takes time to get to know each other and feel each other out. The benefit that we've got is the contract company that we have is a company that we've worked with before, as well as the foreman. Uh, the last project I did, we were on it together. So day one, we didn't have to have a conversation about what my expectations are. And so, you know, we hit the ground running and we're just flying around the golf course right now. Yeah. So this company, like you said, this is a company you worked with before, um, feel very comfortable with them. Um, they have years of experience doing this. Uh, we feel good about that. They're the people, so not only the company, but the people that are some of the key people within the company you've worked with before and and feel very comfortable with them as well. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, so aside even from the foreman, they've got about six or seven guys out of the 15 that they've got that uh, have also um, worked with me before. And so the continuity is just, you know, invaluable, especially at the early onset. Yeah, good. So what all did we accomplish this week? Well, um, day one, we didn't have the architect in, so we kind of just started uh, going through our GPS numbers and painting out the features, more so on the greens. So we started side-cutting those and then um, started looking through. We needed a little more definition on how we were going to do some tie-ins, and so that first day was a little bit slower. But once we had Tyler Ray in, you know, we got around real quick. We figured out some of these things. We made some adjustments on those lines. And from there, we were able to start pulling sod, uh, begin coring greens. And what we're trying to do is start on our southeast side of the property and work towards the northwest side, just working on greens and greens complexes. And then once we hit that point, we'll come back. And so as it stands right now, um, we were expecting to do about two greens of coring per day. We're averaging around two and a half to three. So we're ahead of progress on that. And then, um, you know, really my expectations for doing any shaping around the greens complexes was meant to be later. But at this point, we've already got uh, three green complexes rough shaped in, uh, which includes the tie-ins around the slopes and then the bunkers. And um, another one that we actually fine-tuned just while Tyler was here. So we had an idea of, you know, what he was exactly looking for. And so we've had a really good on good idea on that. So really at this point, we're not working on any fine tuning. We're just gonna blast through, keep working on green complexes and rough shaping um, and then coring. So by the end of the day today, we should be uh, have eight greens cored of the 13 and then early next week, we'll be able to get the rest of them and really just get out of the way of the drainage company. So then that brings us into, sounds like we've had good progress this week. We um, have accomplished what we were hoping to, and maybe then a little more than that. Um, so what's on the schedule for next week? So next week is just the continuation of those uh, greens coring. So we've got an excavator working on that, uh, which is of, of a smaller size. Then we've got another excavator that's assisting with the greens complexes. So 
actually this morning we are shifting our dozer from 12 green we're actually going to move them over to number three which is a, a large earthwork area there and so we want to try to get that benched in you know early too so some of the other uh, greens that we're working on with coring don't really require a whole lot of bulldozer work to do tie-ins maybe just some minor work and so we're just trying to get the core outs done uh, settle around the outside of it um, and then um, keep going from there so aside from that the biggest thing is we're we're still working on if we're going to have another shaper coming in or not but if we do then we're going to begin on working on tees and fairway bunkers on number three on that um, northwest section and then have them start working back just to get ourselves ahead okay so tell us a little bit about what it was like to have tyler ray here kind of for those uh his first couple of days on site it was really good i mean you know obviously in a project like this there's a lot to look at and there's a lot of definition to be had and so any time you know that we've got is invaluable and working through the golf course getting those definitions that we needed to as well as you know while I've worked with this contractor before, Tyler Ray hasn't, and so they're building that relationship together, and so just trying to streamline that and organize everything and just get everybody around, but it was really good. Um, we, got, we got what we needed for the greens. We talked a lot about um, marrying the maintenance needs versus the boldness of the architecture, because inevitably we have to have you know a marriage of the two. You know we can't make something that's unmaintainable and you know we had a lot of discussion about that as we went through and so you know we're going to be going back and forth on that between the two and so we just got to ha have to come to a point where you know where we both get what we want and you know while that's difficult sometimes some areas you know it's inevitable that we have to do some things differently and then there's others where you know we can just adjust and make it work. Yeah. So it's it's a relationship just like any other. And um, to some degree, we've had a lot of conversations, but as we get into this, we're still trying to figure each other out a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, pleased with the progress this week. Thank you for everything you know that you're doing. It's a it's a big a big week to jump into, and and uh, so thank you for that. And um, and yeah, we're excited to see the see the progress so far. Um, so let's, uh, let's transition into the details of this plan a little, kind of wanted to go over, um, some of the details of what we're doing out there. Um, we have almost every part of this golf course getting touched, uh, with this plan. Uh, I think I said tees, fairways, bunkers, and greens. Oh my, it's all. <laughs> um, so I think the first, you know, aside from the tree removal, which we did uh, a lot of that last fall. Um, the kind of first uh, agenda item was to kill off our fairways. Um, we needed to eradicate a lot of different species of turf in the fairways uh, in order to give, a self a, give ourselves a clean start, fresh start, uh, to reseed them. Yeah, so for that, I mean, the biggest thing that we had was in our current fairways and especially our expansions, we're talking about dealing with four or five different turf types throughout. And so, um, you know, due to the sensitivity of glyphosate or Roundup, you know, we tried to find some alternatives, um, you know, to eradicate all these turf grasses and move forward. And so our, our first application actually was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, we used a product called uh, Cheetah Pro, which is uh, glufosinate ammonium. 
But we also added in a couple other products, mainly targeting our bluegrass for our fairway expansions. Um, one of the products that we use is typically used in native grasses to remove bluegrass. And so what we wanted to do is make sure we got a, a really good kill on that, which we did. Uh, as we kind of reviewed further, and now that we're post two weeks, and as we evaluate these fairways, uh, we do have some turf that remains viable, mainly our Poa trivialis and our ryegrass, um, which are prevalent throughout the golf course. Um, part of that too is just the nature of the plant in general has a more waxier leaf blade, and so it's really hard to get these, these products into it. Um, and really just as we evaluate and we just try to look at our window and think about, you know, what's the best and how do we, how do we eradicate this in one time? And we're kind of losing our window, mainly for the fact that we have already removed our irrigation heads out in the fairways and we're not able to irrigate. Um, and these grasses, if we get to a point as we move forward, you know, we have the potential of these turf species, you know, effectively going into summer dormancy. And at that point, we won't be able to have the plant uptake it. So we're really evaluating where we're at um, and working with our tour agronomist and also other professors around the area, you know, asking them the questions, what is the best option? I mean, ultimately we've come to the decision that, um, you know, if there is a time, now is the time to switch products and use yeah. glyphosate or Roundup. Yeah, yeah. I, th I thought it was very interesting, Dane, this week after you used the, the first product um, which was supposed to kill and eradicate everything, you actually went in and put down another product to actually stimulate growth to see what was still alive. Can you talk through that process a little bit? Yeah, and so just just through these efforts, and, and this kind of idea more so comes from my experience in Florida. Now, while I didn't work on a project in Florida, seeing some of the things that they had done, I mean, you typically spray Roundup or another product, and then you actually fertilize it and promote growth for anything that still remains alive. So... In our process, you know, in terms of us really needing to evaluate what we've had, we actually went out and sprayed uh, two-tenths of a pound of urea onto everything. And our intention there was a number of things. One, to really be able to see what we had left that was still viable. And then the other aspect of it is to improve, improve the health of that plant so that as we go to make this next spray, we're able to um, make it as effective as possible. Yeah. That's that's a that's interesting. You're trying to kill it and keep it alive all at the same time. Yeah, it was yeah. it was noticeable. You could definitely see could. what was coming back or it's remained in life. It was right, yeah. and as well, even as we make this product or next application, as I mentioned, you know, these two plants that that are really hard to get product into, we're actually gonna um, put in another additive that is meant to penetrate into the plant so that there's better uptake to it. Okay, so. Part of this uh, restoration is replacing our entire irrigation system. We talked last time about how that uh, kind of drove the drove the bus here, um, and and was one of the major items that we needed to address. Um, we are almost complete with uh, uh, installing the main lines. Maybe uh, walk us through that process and and you know how this irrigation system differs from <laughs> from what we had. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess the first thing is, I mean. You know, like we did say, I mean, the irrigation is the driver of this bus, you know, um, for this project. All that has to go in for the most part before we can even do anything. And so, you know, in communicating with the tour, you know, while it's not ideal, we did start this process about three and a half weeks before the Principal Charity Classic. 
So our goal there was to just work on as many out of the way areas as we could, uh, lift and replace sod, just so that you know there weren't any rules issues, and inevitably there are. But um, with that being said, I mean we had one crew working then. We've really made really good progress through that time, and then after the tournament, we actually added another, and it really spring spring it sprung us forward. So um, where we're at now. Um, we're actually going to flip one crew to keep going on mainline and actually we're ahead of schedule as it stands right now because the second crew is actually going to begin to start pulling laterals which is your your lines that come off the main line and then actually feed your fairways and sprinklers and greens and so next week we'll be um, we'll be working on that which is really good in terms of the system itself uh, right now we have PVC and typical lifespan of a PVC pipe you know under extreme pressure is about 25 to 30 years and more so you know on the shorter end of that so we talked last time a lot about what issues we were having but moving forward we're actually using uh, HDPE which is extremely different but um, one of the main things is that HDPE, you actually fuse the pipe. So throughout the property, with the exception of where we have valves, we don't really have any joints or fittings or anything like that. We actually melt the pipe together and effectively we you know, have one running pipe throughout the property, which is great. Right, because generally where pipes fail are on the joints. Correct. Yeah. yeah, and then outside of that too, I mean, this pipe also has the ability to expand and contract. And so, you know, if we get into distressful periods and we're actually you know, really running water. I mean, there's a lot more play in those pipes. And, and so there's a lot of flexibility into uh, the way that it functions. How deep do those pipes go? Uh, typically our main lines, um, we'll usually want top of pipe uh, 30 inches below the uh, ground level. And so mainly for the purpose of uh, freezing and thawing through the winter. So we want to be b below that frost line. As we get out into the laterals, um, will typically be around 18 to 24 inches. Yeah. Have we found anything interesting through all this digging? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, interesting to me, maybe frustrating for the contractor, but, you know, Wakanda was the first uh, golf course in Iowa to install an irrigation system in the 1940s. And so one of the issues we are running into is as we, you know, put these main lines in, we're running into a lot of galvanized steel and ductile uh, iron, and that kind of slows things down in certain areas just because we have to cut them out and uh, but I mean for us you know to some degree it's it is very interesting just you know if you think about trying to irrigate a golf course where we are now as compared to the 1940s I mean it's pretty wild yeah yeah I saw a clay drain pipe in one of those cutouts as well what how old would that have been uh, so the, the clay tile that we were looking at was actually on number seven green protruding into the new bunker that we're restoring. And um, I guess the surprising thing about that is just how clean it was on the inside. Yeah. And so, I mean, <laughs> I always question the fact whether we did have clay power or clay tile or not. I mean, we did a lot of probing in the past, but couldn't really identify any. But to actually see it out there, um, <clears throat> You know, it was really interesting. So ultimately, though, that was probably put in when the course was originally built was in the right? 1920s. Interesting. Wow. And that wasn't even that far below ground. I mean, it wasn't... Didn't seem like it, no. Yeah. No, so that was probably about two feet yeah. below ground. Hmm. What about the uh, pump station? We're, we're completely moving, relocating our pump station. Maybe go through with us, you know, the reasoning behind that and thoughts there. Yeah, so... Uh, our, our existing pump station actually sits uh, at the bottom of our hill, and we do uh, work off of a 
city feeds, so we do pay for water, which is great. Um, great, great, or? <laughs> great, great, yeah. Okay. Makes me do a lot more thinking about little math. Yeah, little math makes me think about how we irrigate. You know, what can I get away with? A lot of different things, but um, with the amount of elevation change that we've got, you know, we're talking about roughly 90, 95 feet of elevation change throughout the property, and and it's not all from the bottom to the top. It's all just winding throughout the property. So. As we get to the far end and our high points, you know, we have a lot of issues with pressure loss. Um, inevitably, that's going to happen, but even more so with the older failing system. And so, you know, we really evaluated things, and some of this had gone on even before I got here. But what made the most sense, and um, you know, in terms of improving our efficiency in hydraulics, whether that be through you know the water itself or just energy costs we felt that the best option was for us to move to the top of the hill. So at our high point, which is on the driving range. You know, fortunately and unfortunately, two years ago, we had a mainline break, as you guys both know, yeah. that uh, fed our clubhouse. And what we were able to do while repairing that line is we went ahead and installed a new tap with the intention of one day tying into that. Mm -hmm. And so that's all come to fruition. Um, within the past few days, we've had the pad poured. We should have our station within the next two weeks. And um, really more than anything, like I've mentioned, it's just going to improve the you know, function. It's going to take less energy since we're moving water downhill instead of up. Uh, the hydraulics in general, you know, we've, we've been able to evaluate our pipe sizes as we get further out into the property and tweak those a little bit. Um, so what happens with the old pump station? The old pump station. So we've got a number of options and you know, what we'd like to do actually is um, you know, once we've made this transition, you know, when, whatever time it is, I've got to do some more research. I don't know how costly this might be, <laughs> but what we'd like to do is uh, turn that into a greenhouse so that we're able to grow our own annuals, yeah. and, mm. you know, through the winter. And then, you know, as soon as we're ready, you know, we can put them out. We don't necessarily have to wait for any of these uh, flower contractors or anything like that. Yeah. Nice. Next is a vegetable garden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 so so good so in the irrigation system obviously is going to utilize new technology i mean you know compared to what we're using right now we won't have any of the boxes on the course um it all you know maybe you could run us through kind of that how that new technology works yeah so effectively um the typical satellite boxes that you see on the course we're basically condensing those and so uh this system which is a toro system is actually a smart hub so we do still have three controllers but what we're going to do is we're going to put uh, one controller in our new pump house one controller in the old pump house and one in our shop so that effectively on the golf course we don't have anything you know aside from the aesthetics you have with any accessories or anything like that but outside of that um, what we're doing is a two-wire system and so instead of having these satellite boxes or individual satellite boxes with wires going to each individual head, this is just one continuous wire that moves throughout the property. And then what that also do is uh, for us in terms of our reporting, as we go to run water, I think the biggest thing is we'll have the ability to have indicators saying if a head did not run or if it did run or if it ran short, or whatever that might be. So uh, that's, that's probably the biggest thing as well as the control in the field. So. Um, I'm still thinking about how to work through this. I mean, we are provided two iPads that'll actually have our GPS system on it. I'm thinking those will go to our two assistants, Tyler and Matt, and I, I'm gonna, probably going to stick with the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so all this sounds like 
much more targeted use, much less energy, much less water, a lot more efficiency. Is yeah. That kind of the bottom line. I mean, just, yeah, in, in general, just, I mean, the way we run water anyways is very controlled. And so we're only running water, you know, in spot applications to where we really need it. Um, and this will just allow us to expound upon that because instead of a two row system where our only option is do you run the fairway and the rough or, you know, mm-hmm. whereas this is a three row system where if we did just run or want to run the fairways or certain areas of the fairways, we can just go right down the center mm-hmm. line. And then what we're also trying to do is our transition heads, which is our outside heads on that, we'd have the ability to actually turn those from a full circle head into a part circle head. So Mm -hmm. just as we evaluate the golf course, whether we want to water the fairway, whether we want to water the rough, we can actually make those adjustments in the field, um, identify those into the computer system, adjust them accordingly there. And then, um, you know, this is extreme targeted watering. So, yeah. especially like we said earlier, since we're paying for the water, you know, we've got to be extremely efficient about how we use it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, it's certainly going to be an improvement to say the very least. Uh, what's our anticipated or hopeful date that we can turn on the new system? Uh, right now. So like I said, uh, main lines with the exception of a couple that we need to pull, we should, uh, be done with that next week. Um, we were supposed to have the pump station in on June 26, you know, just like anything else in terms of materials and whatnot. Sometimes that's subject to change and even with little notice. But right now we've got a um, date of July 10th when we'll have the pump station. So uh, right now what our goal is, is um, we're going to complete this main line. And what we're actually going to do is we've, we've moved to a point where we're going to take the new system and then tie it into the old system. Right. And so our intention is not necessarily to water with the old pump station, but what we're going to try to do is tie in and then flush out all the lines just from some of that fusing. Inevitably, there's going to be things in the lines that we need to kind of get out of there before Mm -hmm. we start running through sprinklers. But in doing so, while we've got this time now that the pump station is, you know, a little bit behind, we'll tie in, do all of our flush outs. And then once we do have the pump station, we can tie in the new system right away and just begin running it, Right. which would be great. Right. Because obviously we need it running to get our seat. Yeah. So yeah. if we do have that pump station in on, say, June 10th or even the 11th, I mean, effectively, we should be in a position, you know, a few days after where we can probably start running so long as we have our laterals and heads in. Right. Wow. And that still keeps us in line with our anticipated timeline of seating and, and all of that too. Yeah. Cause we always, we always thought in ourselves, middle of July is kind of our first seating day. Right. And so mm-hmm. wherever right. that may be, I think, yeah, we're definitely in on track for that. Yeah. Good. So I know that we did a lot of work on, we're starting on work on greens um, and, and have accomplished a lot already. Uh, run us through a little bit of, uh, you know, what we're doing there. We kind of talked about it a little bit last time about how we're, um, how we had two different sets of greens. We're going back to all push-up greens. Um, maybe run us through a little bit of, of what we're doing there and the drainage that we are installing in our greens. Yeah, so, um, you know, our intention always, you know, whether, whatever we built, whether it would have been USGA or push-up, it, it didn't really matter to us what we preach all the time is just consistency and so as we go to rebuild these five greens that we are we uh we did some physical analysis tests on our existing push-up greens 
And what we tried to do is just identify a mix that was extremely comparable to it. And, you know, the mix that we did find is really close to that. So it makes us feel really comfortable about what we're putting in. And then, you know, inevitably we're dealing with a sterile soil there. So there is going to be some catch up. But, you know, within a short period of time or relatively short period of time, if you think about how soil structure works, I mean, we should get these all 18 greens to blend and perform the same as as it stands right now with the five USGA greens that we've got, and then the 17, 18 push-up greens, we have to treat those differently. So moving forward, just these two mixes, I mean, they're gonna you know, perform exactly the same. We can do the same nutrient programs, chemical programs, just a number of different things. But um, outside of that, you know, an exercise that we actually went through earlier on this week was we started at our collar and a couple of our guys were probing and we were trying to find the extent of our top dressing layer. Mm. So originally we were going to start right at the green's edge and then do our core outs and then move out. As we kind of went through this process, we found in a lot of cases that we actually had a nice six inch top dressing layer, you know, six, four to six feet outside of the green. Mm. <coughs> so. You know, while these two mixes are extremely comparable, knowing what we've got there and, you know, why change the world if we've got the same sand there, then why right. core all the way out? So we, we basically found those perimeters and then cored our way out through the rest of the way, which ultimately will save us some mixed money uh, and time, really. Why would that have been? Why would that be like that? I mean, what would be the reason for that being? Well, inevitably, you know, from I guess from a number of reasons, you know, Inevitably, just through the years, as grains shrink, yeah. you know, um, those outside areas were always being addressed right. as normal is because they were the original green pads. <coughs> but um, typically, too, in our practices, you know, we want to make sure from um, our, our full extent of our green perimeters are treated appropriately. And so sometimes we err on the side of caution. We move a little bit of outside of what our targeted area is. And so inevitably, you get some sand outside of your green or your collar or yeah. wherever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, you had mentioned the drainage. And so um, on the greens, you know, in terms of that consistency, we wanted to install drainage. And so what we're putting is a two inch slit drainage. Uh, it's a turf flow pipe. <coughs> we're doing that on eight foot spacing. I mean, we've, you can do a number of different spacings. I mean, typically a lot of people do six. But uh, for the most part, our greens perform pretty well and drain pretty well. And the depth that we're going at, we're still above our uh, clay tile pipe, which we now have confirmed. So this is just an additive really to help us keep playing conditions consistent. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at it is, especially when we get into these hot and humid months, you know, my intention is hopefully that these pipes will then create conditions where even when we are hot and humid, that it doesn't create this plant to get puffy and slow right, and right. stand up a little bit and swell. And so this just provides us another area of control, like similar to the irrigation system, our ability to control like individual areas. And this is effectively what we're doing with that as well. Right, right. Where does the water go once it's in those XGD <coughs> pipes under the ground? So the um, basically what we're doing is we, uh, we install a main trunk and then we do a lot of lateral feeds to that. Mm -hmm. And once the lateral feeds move into the main trunk, the main trunk moves it off the green. And then from there, we'll catch it with a four inch pipe, most likely in the case that we ever need to tie in with, you know, if we want to do approach mm -hmm. drainage or anything like that. Right. And then we're just going to move it to an area outside of the green or outside of our play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a big part of this project is uh, the bunkers. 
uh, we're adding bunkers, uh, we're restoring bunkers, we're um, redoing all of the existing bunkers, uh, liners, sand, all of it. So maybe talk to us a little bit about the features of those um, bunkers and how they're different from what we what currently exists there. Yeah, like um, kind of like we talked last week. I mean, we almost have two golf courses within itself, and some of that is just our original features that we had when it was originally built in 1922, and then you know the difference that we got through work throughout the years, mostly through some of our work in 2008. And so what we're trying to do is, you know, obviously restore the original intent of the architect. And a lot of that has to do with the way the bunker features and mainly the faces themselves. Uh, right now, we've got a lot of flashed faces, um, but the original intent was to have flat bottom bunkers with a more of a grass face, a rolling, you know, steeper, but rolling grass face that kind of has these slight, you know, subtle waves to them. And so um, from what we've looked at so far, just the three bunkers that we've built uh, on 7, 10, and 12, it's just, it's really wild to see those kind of features come mm-hmm. to life. And, yeah. It's amazing. You know, and really the size of them, too. And yeah. so for what it's worth, I mean, right now we've got 70,000 square feet of bunkers. And what we're, you know, targeting is 180,000 square feet of bunkers. So, yeah. I mean, while it's a significant increase, I mean, some of these are more, some of these bunkers are meant to guide you off the tee. And so there's a lot of bunkers out there, you know, that'll be on different maintenance regimens, which I know we'll talk about at a later date. But, um... You know, it's going to really bring back the character of the golf course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me, uh, I'll do a little rapid fire uh, oh. question with you. Okay. <laughs> I know you have all this. So just uh, numbers, speaking numbers. Um, how many, you mentioned how many square feet of, of bunkers that we're adding. What's our, what's our addition, fairways? Uh, right now we have 24 acres of fairways and what we originally GPS was uh, right at 34 you know we've made some adjustments we've tried to get to a you know net zero on some of these adjustments but we'll probably end up with somewhere around 34 and a half to 35 acres of bunk or uh, fairways so what about greens greens um, right now uh, we're actually um, right around 150,000 square feet existing uh, somewhere between the expansions and the new greens, we'll probably be looking around, uh, or actually 137,000 square feet right now. Once we do these expansions and the new greens, we'll probably be around somewhere around 160, 165,000. Okay. What about tees? Does that change at all? Uh, tees, I've got I've to quantify the amount of new tees because um, ultimately we are installing and or modifying 40, 47 tees. But... Um, Ultimately, for those 47 tees, what we're trying to do there um, is to create forward, a lot of new forward tees and a lot of new back yeah. tees. So we're trying to increase yardage and also shorten the yardage mm-hmm. yeah. just for a number of players, uh, playability in general. Yeah. Run us through um, some of the turf types that we're utilizing on the course. So right now on the existing greens, we have A1, A4. And so... Um, you know, on the five greens we're going to rebuild, we're using that turf to actually strip out and then move to the, our green expansions. And as it stands now, just everything that we've talked about in terms of consistency, um, we're going to replant A1, A4 on the new greens so that we have the same turf type on all the greens. Right. And then we'll look into the future about maybe, you know, interceding or modifying those. Um, <clears throat> outside of that, fairways, we're going to use a a newer variety of bent grass called Dominant Extreme 7, which is basically a mixture of a, a couple different bent grasses. But we're going to do that on fairways and tees. 
And then rough, you know, it, rough is kind of, it's always a hard one, especially when you're talking about dealing with a property as old as this, you right. know. A lot of the bluegrass that we have out there is just common Bermuda grass, which is with the original grass from the 1920s. And the difference between that and newer grass is um, the new bluegrasses are really dark and, you know, they tend to clash with, um, you know, some of these older varieties we have on property. And inevitably with sod, we're not going to be able to change that. I mean, we'll do, we'll do a number of things through, you know, fertilizing or, or things different things just to try to get those to blend yeah but the uh the seed well, it also helped that we're irrigating more yeah. Rough too, so yeah it helps too. irrigation will help a little bit i mean you're you're still going to have those blends but um with the actual seed around the fairways i mean we're really trying to find a, a turf type that's you know color wise you know fairly representative and what we've came to the conclusion of is uh we're gonna use this uh barren brug bluegrass seed and so um it's actually propagated and you know developed more for European countries, you know, typically because they've got a lot of pole in the rough, which we do too, you know, unfortunately. But it has a lighter shade, and that's actually going to blend a lot better. And mm -hmm. so, hopefully, by the end of this, there won't be too much of a color clash directly around fairways. Yeah, interesting. So, tell us a little bit about the uh, dominant extreme that we're using in the fairways, and how that differs from what we currently have. Yeah, so, um, you know, what we currently have, I mean, like I said, we've got four or five different turf types, but are actually... What we kind of want. What we kind of want and looking yeah. for, but, I mean, as it stands now, in the fairway, the bent grass that we did have was Pencross, and, um, you know, that's always been a good grass, you know, since uh, its inception, I mean, but we're getting to the point where it's starting to be phased out. I mean, you've got a lot of issues just with um, disease pressure, um, watering needs, and uh, this new this new grass that we're actually going to be planting has a lot of benefits, and a number of which, uh, you know, specifically is the amount of, uh, well, three things I guess. It uh, it requires less water. Um, also, uh, chemically, we can we can start our you know say preventative chemical plans you know later date, whereas right now we're typically starting April, finishing in late October, sometimes mm -hmm. even pushing into November. Now our window should be somewhere around middle of May to maybe end of September, wow. beginning of October. Hmm. And so, um, so that'll be a benefit. And then really more than that, um, outside there's, it's, there's not a lot of nitrogen requirements mm. to it. And so that'll kind of help us out a little bit and it'll be a balancing act. We'll kind of need to just evaluate, you know, what our play numbers are, what our traffic is and inevitably i mean we're gonna to have to do some nutrients but we don't also want to push it too far just because some of these newer bent grasses have the tendency to uh, be high organic matter matter producers so our cultivation practices are going to have to match um, just for a number of reasons whether it be uh, the cart traffic the nutrients necessary to withstand that and then mm -hmm. you know cultivating our way out of it meaning airification right. top dressing mm -hmm. right Right. Are there any courses with this Dominic Extreme 7 fairway, or is it just that new? Any courses around here? No, uh, that you know of? directly around here, I'm not sure. I know there's a lot of golf courses that do have some of this. Um, when we were kind of evaluating it, we went over to the Des Moines Golf and Country Club, and they've got a practice tee that has it. Hmm. Uh, hmm. They had just shut it down, and so it was a little bit longer because uh, they were working on turf recovery. But uh, these new turf grasses, I mean, you're, the lower you mow them, the better off they're meant to perform. Mm -hmm. So, but the, I think what's going to be really nice is the 
the color contrast that we're going to get out of this more than anything too when you think about what the fairway is and mm. then the rough outside of that it's going to it's going to provide a nice you know separation mm-hmm. well especially then once you pop those bunkers into those grass swales yeah you'll right. get the it'll just incredible then yeah neat cool so dean i appreciate you running through these details with us and and a status update of where we are one week into the restoration um we obviously you obviously have left no stone uncovered uh you know no no detail has been missed in the planning of this restoration and um and that's that's thanks to you and um you know i think that we we just couldn't be in better hands in going through this and i think that um you know you, you you're thinking about both uh, the members, you're thinking about the future, you're thinking about the now, you're thinking mm-hmm. about the timeline, you're thinking about the PCC. You have a lot of things that you're you're taking into consideration in this, um, but just the overall well-being of the club. And it, it is just so, so evident. So mm-hmm. thank you. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have we have an interesting role in our in our jobs. Uh, where we have a, a delicate uh, balancing act between what members want and what members need uh, and what the club needs. Um, and that's, that's a really difficult position sometimes to be in um, because we know, you know, as, as industry experts, what, what's probably best, um, but it might not always be the easiest uh, conversation to have or it might be a change from what they're used to. Um, and I think we, we saw that through, we've seen that through this. And, um, you know, what I appreciate is that we can rely on your expertise uh, and Aaron, your expertise, um, and that we can rely on that and know that the decisions that we're making for the future of this club are sound decisions um, and with complete thought and consideration of both the members wants and what's going to be best for the club mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate that that's evident in what you're doing and I look forward to to seeing where we go from here so upwards and onwards upwards and <laughs> onwards that's what, yeah that's what we're doing here we are and there we go here we are um, so I think that we can uh, safely say that we can um, go into part two of this conversation next time which will be a uh, hole by hole review of the course, talk about what our goals were coming out of the committee and how what we're doing will uh, hopefully accomplish those goals. Yeah. So uh, thank you both. Yeah. Meet me in the card room next week. Absolutely. We'll talk about it. Okay. Time to get back in. Let's get, <laughs> get out there. Thanks.